very warm welcome to the best podcast in the world. Welcome to the Strength and Skills Podcast. My name is Nick Tibuzek and with me, you can see him on the picture right there in my, in my um, left side. I don't know how you see that, but we have a very special guest today. Of course, Rado is in the house, the boss himself, and there is the guy from Eastern Europe, Mr. Frinks himself. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for, for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Uh, and I really hope to have a nice discussion. Uh, so, yeah, it's a pleasure. <laughs> Happy to have you here. All right. Hope you guys are doing well. Rado, how are you doing? All good yeah, the, the weather in Munich isn't quite good. It's basically autumn already. So, yeah. It affects the mind for sure. You know, you expect to expect it to be at least one more month of summer, but it's not happening. So I'm kind of sad on that side of things, but training has been going well. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, we have the same issue here right here in, in Vienna. And I think you have it down there too. Yeah, actually the same thing in Warsaw. So, you know, like it's it's funny because I came from Slovenia. Right now I've been in like well, on a little vacation for like 10 days. Yeah. And, you know, like I got back and I was like, you know, it, it's so hot right there. And I uh, and I just got back and here is just, uh, you know, like autumn, like like rather mentioned. So, yeah, so definitely a difference. But, you know, it's it's interesting. I was always kind of like uh, I liked this weather, actually, you know, like I'm more of a fan of colder uh, climate, let's call it. So so for me, it's all good for me. It's 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 all cool. Same for me. I'm, I'm an autumn guy. I love that, actually. I'm very much for that. So um, for all those people who may not know you, now we know Mr. Frings is an autumn guy and he lives in Warsaw. So what, do we, what should we need to know about you? Can you tell us a little bit more about you? Yeah, you, you basically know the most important stuff at this point, but I'm going to talk about <laughs> some other stuff. So, you know, like uh, most people that are not familiar, uh, probably mm, the best way that I can describe myself would be currently calisthenics content creator as well as uh, coach. So I've been creating content for over four or five years on several different platforms, but probably the biggest one that kind of like got recognized in any way, you know, even though it's not in any way like big, but uh, it's uh, my YouTube channel where I kind of like decided to discuss certain, maybe not previously discussed elements of the sport of the calisthenics, starting from what is calisthenics, how to combine calisthenics with other things, how should we program for calisthenics, really digging down into certain even psychological aspects of the sport, um, like maybe even existential in some way, you know, like what is calisthenics? Should we name it this way? Stuff like that. So if you're into that, then I recommend you to check out my YouTube channel. Uh, and that was the natural extension of my interest in calisthenics was um, uh, obviously, you know, before I had my own experience with training. So before I started creating content, probably something I should start with. I, you know, like trained calisthenics for like five to six years. Um, so like five, six years from now on. And I also two, two years ago started coaching uh, predominantly online, 
uh, and uh, really enjoy it so far. And I hope that uh, I'm going to be able to do it in the future because that's something I really, really enjoy and love doing. Absolutely. I, I, I think I just got to know you from Rado. I think so. I think he one time he sent me something over and that was actually the, the moment I discovered you. And then I followed you for quite a while. And then I saw you have some, some content on YouTube. And that was actually something super interesting because I didn't know about it because I was not so much of a big, big follower and completely going into stalking. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I, I really um, got into, into your YouTube account and you have some amazing content in there, in there. So for everyone who's listening to this podcast, probably you guys uh, like to um, get some more knowledge and you definitely get some more knowledge um, from that YouTube channel. So what's the YouTube channel called? Frinks Movement? The, the channel is called Frinks Movement TV, actually. So if you're, if anyone's interested, gonna really appreciate it. And also Nick appreciates so much uh, that uh, your words. And I want to say that with Rado, it was actually a very interesting story because uh, he actually, you know, like we get, got to know each other in a, a bit different way because he commented on my one of the like the YouTube videos um, on my older channel which is uh, i don't know if i should name it even you know like give the name out there but uh, okay i'm gonna do that it's the frings beast channel a bit cringy right now as i think about it but uh, rather commented on one of my uh videos and he actually you know like uh, then sent me a message a private message or something then he followed me on instagram and you know like then at some point I just like followed him as well and we started having some conversation and yeah it, it was really nice to like to you know like from this point then now we are on the like on the podcast and I can see how you developed you know like over the years and uh, we all you know kind of progressed in some ways mm -hmm. you started both with the training you know like and coaching uh, all that stuff like I've been able to 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 observe and that's really really cool so just wanted to say that also appreciate you know like that we can talk together today yeah thank you man i mean it's the same from my side you know um it's it's this you know it's this thing that once you do something you can't really know what will come out of it and it's really interesting to see how things are developing and how things have developed like the way your content shifted from this, you know, just training posts uh, from your old channel to topics that you have now in your channel. I think that you, uh, as a content creator, it, you're something fresh in you, something that we really need, you know, because there's lots of these basic videos like do these five exercises, do this and this routine, like these existential topics that you mentioned, like does weighted calisthenics even make sense, you know, and stuff like that. That's something that we really need in the sport, I would say. You know, that's really, yeah, really valuable. Absolutely. Thank you, Rado. I appreciate it a lot. This is and the good thing about it is um, you can clearly see you you are on the same mission as us to bring just more knowledge into the sport. And this is why we have you here. And we have to discuss our yeah, our topic today, because I think that's something a lot of people might have some of their own thoughts about it, and each of us will have their own thoughts about it. And it's in the end, how to bring legs and statics all together without losing gains. And um, I think 
a lot of stuff in there is really, really full of, of uh, objections of people. Because from, from what I experienced also with um, a lot of static athletes, they don't train legs because they think it makes the statics harder. And um, the same as for a lot of people who really train legs, They don't train actually the, the, the statics because they say, yeah, I can't do the statics because I have legs. <laughs> I used to be one of them. Um, and I, I think today we should talk a little bit about how can we actually get rid of all these objections and have the best of all the worlds to make more and bigger machines out there in the world. So, 100%. Uh, I really think that's a great topic to discuss. I think that's also the topic that many people come to me and ask because uh, I made one, videos, uh, one video in the past um, called The Dilemma of Leg Training, where even though I expressed some of my own opinions, I think that I've been pretty, you know, like um, loose with that and pretty open minded. Uh, but it got obviously as on the internet uh, things are being like often put out of context uh, things uh, are often you know like uh, the interpretation is very far from what you actually meant and that's something that you have to deal with you know that's something that I take on me you know because uh, maybe I could just express myself more clearly maybe I should mention certain things a bit earlier maybe like the interpretation is never in my eyes you know like bad it just can be more and or like less accurate than what i initially expressed and so i think that it's a great topic do you want to start with certain you know like um uh, thing that you you previously wanted to or do do you want like every single one of us to to kind of like tell you something about it I think it would be good to to just have a like a, yeah like a summary where everybody can bring in what he knows about objections of people so that um, we can just name some of them and if sure. you as a listener right now feel familiar with that then um, probably this one hopefully helps you in the end because our our big big goal is of course to make you have the best of both worlds so um, I already mentioned one of the objections that um, I've had with um, static people that if you do it, you're gonna you're gonna suffer in the statics from that because of course it's always it always comes up with that physical stuff when there is more mass, then it's gonna be harder. And um, mm -hmm. what else do you know, guys? Do you want to start rather, or or do you want me to? elaborate a bit you can definitely elaborate if you have um, oh okay okay so i would start this discussion overly would start this discussion by explaining the problem itself you know and what do we run into by talking about training lower body and training calisthenics so first of all we have to say that you know like if we're talking about calisthenics and leg training We have to define calisthenics and pretty easily to do it would be in this context, training for upper body skills and also upper body uh, strength movements, like let's say weighted pull-ups, weighted dips, right? So let's say that we have someone who trains, you know, like say he trains calisthenics, we're gonna uh, assume that he wants to increase his, you know, like he wants to learn planche, front lever, and he also wants to, let's say, 
increase his uh, 1RM in the dip or in the pull-up or learn handstand, handstand push-up, this stuff, right? So we have to kind of like make this, these borders that we were talking about that because, you know, calisthenics can be also like training. Mm-hmm. Calisthenics can be also, you know, like it's very hard to define. It can be also jumping. It can be explosive stuff. So I would say that um, this is the first step. Do you guys agree that we should start with that? You know, I have, I have the view of calisthenics as, first of all, training with your own body weight. And this is, to me, and it always was like that, also training the lower body. So I would, I was, I was always like, okay, I want to train my lower body too. And I always started doing like pistol squats, maybe a dragon squat and stuff like that. So it was always a part of actually calisthenics to me to train also the lower body. But I know that a lot of people only see the, the side of the upper body for that. And um, this is, I think this is where um, a lot of stuff comes in where people just have this disagreement because they have a different view on that. And um, in the end, none of both is bad. One just has more in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like many messages that I get is, okay, but calisthenics is also, you know, like pistol squats. And so pistol squats are okay. Totally missing my point that, you know, we are talking right now, if we're talking about the legs, can we or should we train the legs or how to train the legs properly in order for it to make like to work along with our upper body training right so upper body training normal upper body training let's say overhead press bench press these are different because they don't involve your body weight Mm -hmm. then you don't like you're not moving your whole body weight your center of mass doesn't you know like move a lot it's only, you know, like fluctuates a little bit. So, you know, it's, it's hard to, t- but it's always hard to tell because you have those terms, you know, close kinetic chain, open kinetic chain. When you get kind of like more in depth into these terms, it kind of like gets very complicated actually. Mm-hmm. So it's just easy to, you know, like to, to make easy borders. Okay. We are talking today about calisthenics skills and like, you know, upper body weighted dip, weighted pull, like weighted, uh, pull up, right? Or chin up. Um, and apart, like uh, along with that, how do we combine lower body training predominantly with weights, you know, and uh, doing deadlifts, doing back squats. That's what we want to talk about. So there are no, there is no confusion that, you know, when I, when I speak like calisthenics, I, I mean, you know, like uh, pistol squats as well. We are not talking about it. We kind of like talk about, you know, lower versus upper cure, right? Yes, yes, yes. That's absolutely. Good. Absolutely. All right. Yes. So, so that's kind of like the first thing, I guess. And if you want me to kind of like elaborate on that, and uh, I would say that there are two sides. So there are people who are thinking, you know, like that we should train both. And uh, there are people who say that if you want to get in the calisthenics and really excel at the, the upper body, then you have to focus on that and kind of like leave the you know, the, the lower body. Do you think that there are any, you know, like more nuances in this, you know, like opinions out there? Yeah, it depends a little bit on, on um, where's actually the goal of the people, because some of them are like very much into the, the figures and 
what they can actually do with the upper body. And um, I think it's a, it's a very much about, do you want to be a performance athlete who, who, who does a performance with the upper body elements? A little bit like an artist. Maybe like this classic handstand artist, but, but more with all the other skills and stuff like that. And then there's the, the other guy who comes in there and maybe starts from a point from, from like having a general better fitness through calisthenics. And I think these are the two different views, which, yeah, in the end, um, bump into each other at that point. And this is very important to, to make that sure. For those who really want to go into performance and only want to bring up that, maybe like, like a classic um, burning gate. Do you know burning gate, the big competition in, in yeah, yeah, Italy? Sure. Yes. If, if you want to compete there, you're completely in the, into the performance part of the upper body because that's what they need there. So that's kind of a specialization. And for those people, in, in my opinion, it might be a, a better idea to not train too much of the lower body. But I always have this one but thing in there because in, in my opinion, it makes for the general health. It makes always sense to train a little bit of the lower body too. Not too much, but a bit to make sure to be able to stabilize your spine to um, really be able to, to involve the glutes, right, for some, some static stuff and stuff like that. And, um, of course, in general, to stay healthy. Because if you have a fucked up back from whatever that can be, maybe you have someone moving and fucked up your back, you probably can't train a lot anymore. And that's something we should definitely avoid at that point. So, in my opinion, it's always the general health thing it's always something also the, the very specialized guy should think of, at least to a certain degree. Very, like, excellent point for me. You know, like this, uh, so, so as we established what is calisthenics and, you know, like what we want to, like, talk about, like in which context we will be talking about, you know, like calisthenics today, I think exactly this is what we need next. So establishing where people come from, where, what goals they have, right? So you have the person that trains for the competition and what should this person do? We have the person that does, you know, like he wants to just uh, train for himself, you know, doesn't prepare for any sort of competition, just, but he's mainly interested in the skills, you know, like he, he wants to learn planche. That's basically what I'm coming from what should I do, right? How, how much component of like different stuff should we, should we have there? And also there are people who like wants to be overly strong, right? But I think that we should focus on these two aspects on the right, because we are talking about people who are not sure if they should train their legs and what benefit that may that may give them. So uh, let's just, you know, like make the borders. We are talking about these people, people who wants to learn the skill. One of them is like specializing competing. Should he train his legs? The other one, he's training for himself. And what are the differences between those? How should we program the training? So uh, 
so yeah so do you do you guys want to maybe start with uh what are the negative sides we should like kind of have two sides right like what are the negative sides potential of training legs for these people what are the positives and kind of like then bundle them together and maybe make certain assumptions and then talk about how we should approach it so we have the most of the good the least of the bad right mm -hmm. so i think we we or i, I already had I had a little talk about it but what what is your point of here um i would like to start off with uh the bad side of things potential mm -hmm. uh bad side of things uh so you definitely shouldn't like underestimate uh the fatigue aspect of lower body training especially if we are talking about um, heavy barbell training for the lower body. Uh, that certainly plays a role um, in the aspect of fatigue and you have to account for it within your training program uh, because otherwise um, your upper body, even though it might not seem um, you know, that it has an effect, it definitely has an effect on the upper body. Um, and yeah, sooner or later, if you don't account for it in a proper way, um, your progress in the upper body might suffer. So yeah, just this increased fatigue, especially because it's quite centralized, it's not so localized as with uh, upper body training. Um, it goes basically to the full body, you know, and um, this could be one potential issue for people who don't structure their training in a proper way um, and overdo it with the lower body thing. Mm. Yeah, no. I do agree. I do agree. And this is one of the things that people don't really talk about when it comes to the negatives. Everyone is focusing on the other stuff. And so I'm going to talk about the other stuff. Uh, but uh, this is the excellent point, you know, uh, training resources, basically, even from the training organization standpoint, if we are talking about, you know, like training split, it's it gets much heavier to to kind of strategically plan out training week if the athlete is wants to seriously and it's important to talk to talk that we talk about serious leg training you know like we talk about heavy deadlifts heavy squats you know we're talking about some serious like some not like doing you know three sets of pistol squats or something we are talking about you know like creating real volumes to create the results and uh, for, for that, we have to take it in, into account. It's going to be centralized fatigue that if you're going to train your, you know, like planche the next day, you will feel it. You will definitely feel, you know, your posterior chain uh, will play a massive role in your performance in the planche, no matter at, at which level you are. Uh, this will come into, you know, like exercise selection and stuff like that. But, you know, just by, just by knowing that, also, the overall training volume that you can do will be automatically lower for the for the upper body that we can do throughout the week, because now you essentially have to recover from more stuff. This is where people come, you know, and, and they ask, you know, like, OK, I, I train, you know, five times a week, but I have these two spare days. Maybe I should include some flexibility or running like what what should I include? You know, people always ask, what should I add? Maybe like the real question is if, you know, like if anything is like, should you even like consider that? Should you not consider maybe going the other way and taking stuff out that is maybe unnecessary for your results? Because even flexibility training, you know, if we talk about flexibility that is kind of like focused on gaining flexibility, you know, we talk about, you know, let's say some 
active dynamic flexibility or like, you know, like long time stretches under the load, even that will add up on fatigue. Even that, you know, lower body training squat with, you know, like 150 kilos for many reps, this will put a lot of strain on your like recovery uh, during the week. So that's the first constraint, right? The second I'm going to add to it is the obvious one is the body weight, the body weight factor. Uh, legs are like the major, you know, th- this is like the, the place where most beginners will see, you know, like the massive weight growth over, you know, like when they start, for example, squatting, that's going to put a massive weight on the refrain. It's not bad, but from the standpoint of calisthenics, something that is relative strength, we have to take that into account. Okay, you're training your legs right now. You're starting to train squats. Now you're going to get the weight in your glutes, in your, you know, like quads. These are major muscles. Adding, you know, like some weight in your bicep, tricep is not even comparable, you know, like, or even chest, you know, it's not even comparable with the lower body. Um, I think the biggest muscle, like volume wise in the upper body is the, like the delt, right? But it's, you know, like if, if you're going to compare that with glutes and how much weight you can add up, that's a massive difference. So body weight, you weight 70 kilos. Now you weight, let's say 75, what you're going to do with that. Right. And the third kind of factor is the, what does, where you put this weight, uh, this weight that you put, uh, will, will be massively, you know, like uh, changing the proportions of your body. If we are talking about serious mass gaining, obviously, uh, someone who's going to gain the weight in the quads or in the glutes uh, will notice that, you know, like his center of mass will go down. Center of mass going down, meaning most horizontal skills like planche will get harder leverage wise. That's just the physics, you know. Uh, adding weight for those of you guys who are listening, who don't, you know, like really get that, uh, try doing the front lever and do free basic tests. Uh, even if you cannot do front lever free basic tests for you. So first test, take ankle weights and perform like the hardest progression that you can do with the ankle weights and measure the time if you can do it, you know, now do the same progression but add the same weight on your belly and repeat the progression. And the last one, ask someone to very gently, don't hurt yourself, but very gently put some pressure on your forehead while doing the front lever. And interesting thing will happen because you will notice that putting some weight on the forehead will actually help you with the front lever. You're going to be stronger because you're kind of like, putting, you know, like it's above your shoulder where your lats are attaching, right? The, the, the belly one is going to be not that noticeably harder than the, you know, like than the normal front lever, while the, the one with ankle weights, there is a big possibility that you will not even be able to do it. And that represents how, you know, like different like kilograms don't mean the same in, you know, like we have to think about where we put those kilograms. Lower body training will put the weight down. So like in this leg direction, right? Putting weight on your calves will make it, you know, uh, will make it uh, harder than putting it on your chest or on your lats. So these are the primary, you know, like three factors that I would 
talk about? Do you guys think of uh, any more factors that uh, are there? Now, if you ask me, I think you summed it up perfectly. Pretty much. I would I would have some points for the other side, but not for, for the negative side. So in mm -hmm. the end, we can definitely say, okay, we have the fatigue factor, which is um, one side, the central nervous system definitely gets more hit by barbell work. And this is pretty easy to explain because um, yeah, barbell work is a little bit more work for the body to stabilize the spine in the end. And when you do upper body calisthenics work, it's definitely still some work for the, for the body to stabilize the spine, but it's not as the same and not as kind of life-threatening, dangerous for the central nervous system um, as if you have a barbell right there. So if you have a barbell with weight on it, the body is always in, in this mode, okay, I could die. I need to, to stabilize the spine because if the spine breaks, I probably can't move from the, the lower part from wherever it breaks. Um, and so that is always a dangerous situation for the, for the, for the brain and for the body in the end. And um, this is why the central nervous system always gets so fatigued by that because it has to focus so much and, of course, it takes a lot of energy from you because there's so much muscle involved into this from, from all over the body, not just maybe on one point or something. And this is very important to mention here because that's the point where people make the most mistakes at that point because that's what you need to manage there. And Rado already got into that a little bit. And then there's, of course, next to the central nervous system fatigue, the muscular fatigue where, of course, yeah, everybody who squatted a bit knows how sore legs can get and how, how sore also legs can get from, from deadlifting and all that stuff. Um, we, I think we all have been there. <laughs> and um, that, that's the point where, where I don't need to talk too much about it, but that's, of course, something that also is involved into this. And then comes your point in, um, if you gain mass, and there's something a lot of people very much underestimate. This is when you gain mass, it's always a little bit dangerous to think too much about it because, of course, when you gain mass, on the, um, it will not be too much. Like a lot of people think you gain, like, I don't know, Let's say, okay, I went up from 70, like you said, 70 kg to 75. You probably didn't gain 5 kg on the legs. Probably not. But um, if you did so, I want that. I want that program. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the end, it's overall weight that you have to move. And everyone who is into that and has maybe done a handstand push-up or something, when you add 5 kg on that, which I always include into static, uh, yeah, statics and maybe skills, mm -hmm. it's always getting hard. The, the heavier you get, the harder it gets, of course, because you add weight to, to a movement. That would be like, okay, you added like 5 kg on your OHP, same like if you gained 5 kg, then you added these 5 kg to your handstand push-ups and it makes things harder. And of course, the physical 
leverage is that the right one the right word um leverage yeah if you, mm -hmm. you mean like the what i what i was talking about yeah and of course where where the weight is it makes it harder people have to consider that on the other hand this is actually a point where you you know dennis piccolo from spenix we we always discuss this <laughs> because uh, i always say yeah dennis do you really think I grow that much on the legs and in, in such a short amount of time that it really makes such a difference from week to week from, from a scientific way of how much you can actually gain during a certain time of yeah, certain time, it wouldn't be possible. And this is where it gets so interesting because I've seen so many um, athletes that actually said i started training legs and my statics immediately suffered from it how is your experience with that yeah so i definitely think that we should be really talking you know like we we should really make it clear that when we talk about certain gaining or anything like that we have to also take the fact you know like i've been trying to break these points like into like the potential issues but obviously you have to also include like the real circumstances into that. Obviously the adaptations that you will get will not be as rapid. Uh, so if someone says that, you know, like uh, his statics got immediately worse after uh, starting to train his lower body or his like back squat or anything, I would say that uh, it is either psychological uh, after watching my video, or is like I put him in the nocebo, uh, or, uh, but for real, it was mostly the, the first mechanism. It was the training resources. He, you know, like he was exposed to the new stressor that uh, his body was not used to before. And yeah, obviously, if you like the same week you started training planche, even a bit sore, your glutes, you know, like your overall muscle like activation that you can produce and your performance will suffer uh, and you will feel worse. You, your static, your static, you know, like holds are very connected to the, uh, to, to, to the fatigue, you know, like the isometrics. So if you're training like the planche hold, this will suffer your technique will suffer because lower body is also involved in it uh, and i think that no it is impossible to you know like immediately suffer the consequences of lower body training when it comes to the second mechanism these are quite gentle but but if we are talking about the athlete that is preparing for the competition and at the same time he's going to train really seriously and we we're talking like three years four years then yeah, four years of training lower body and four years of not training lower body, that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. That does make a difference. You know, overall, uh, the weight and the training resources collected over this time that could be spent somewhere else, mm -hmm. these make a difference. We cannot really like say how much. Yeah. Uh, we would have to see certain, you know, like paper on that, but uh, we can just, you know, like uh, assume that, it's the amount that we can that makes people to makes it fair to question it and makes it fair to discuss it absolutely i would i would even say that's just a theory of me um that if you if you train less legs you of course you have less stress on the central nervous system 
that can make your cycles go longer. So maybe like from an athlete who had like four week cycles and then a deload. Yeah. It can turn up to maybe like seven weeks and then a deload, which comes to less deloads during a year, which leads probably to a little bit more gains in that. Solid point, yeah. I, I could think so. I mean, I have absolutely no data for that. But, I mean, to me, it's very logical. Um, so, f f watching it from that view, I think it's also important that I say that. <laughs> because, because I'm the one who always says, train your legs. Um, yeah, but, sure, sure. Uh, I agree with that. And also, like, with the data point, you know, like, because we don't have, you know, like the clear data on that or the clear, like, you know, like evidence, I think it's very hard to gather this kind of evidence because it is so multifactorial, you know, like there are so many factors that are individual, you know, like the person can really excel at, you know, like training. So it would be hard to conduct this sort of thing, like where we could see how lower body uh, impact the performance of like calisthenics athletes, uh, probably, you know, like much, uh, there's a lot of just speculation and, you know, experience coming in a way or personal bias, which uh, I, you know, like I really don't have any currently, like I really don't. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, we should just talk, you know, like with, uh, with knowing that we, we have to kind of like base a bit on the experience and on what we think and based on, you know, like the years that we've been training ourselves, training other people, uh, because that's really what matters from the standpoint of training, you know, like from the athlete. Uh, if we have some data, we're gonna, you know, like we're gonna do part two at some point. <laughs> Love to hear that. So um, another thing that comes in here should be what is, what is, maybe the pros for training legs, maybe even for the static people. And um, I would say one very good pro is till a certain degree, training le legs for maybe, maybe something like hip thrusts, stuff where you learn to use the muscles that you probably need for the statics, stuff like, okay, we need, we need better, better recruitment of the glutes. We may need better recruitments of the hammies. Um, maybe for those who struggle uh, really, really straightening the legs, maybe they should learn, okay, that's a straight leg and this is done by the quads. And sometimes people need to, to learn this to really get, get the feeling for this movement. And I think in, in that case, it can really make a lot of sense to bring that in but only until a certain degree for that person. So at, at some point, I would say it can also make sense, maybe for a plancher, to actually do some hip thrusts to get the glutes in. Yes. So uh, what I recommend right now is we kind of like finished talking about the negative points. of. So we know what are the negative points of training legs for the sort of calisthenics athlete, static person, like, like you call it, you know. Um, so these are, to summarize, these are training resources, both central fatigue and muscular fatigue. So like the soreness and, you know, like the muscles that are involved in the skills. These are two things. 
Third thing is the body weight that over the years can be accumulated, like higher amounts, you know, like of body weight will probably make it harder for us to perform body weight skills. Uh, and fourth is the placement of the body weight of like the adding, you know, like the center of mass sort of that will may mainly uh, express itself in the skills like front lever plunge skills that are horizontal, where we have, you know, like, these are the, the skills that um, are very leverage based, and where actual where we have the weight matters more than let's say in the muscle up handstand push up. Um, so these are like the four factors that we kind of like have right. Uh, and now let's go into the, the the positive things that we can gain from the leg training and let's address you know like from both sides from person that is training for the calisthenics specifically and for himself you know uh, rather maybe maybe uh, you can again start on uh, your point with the like with certain positive aspects of the leg training and then we're gonna be elaborating yeah sure um I have an assumption, and it's important to know that this is just an assumption and nothing proven, uh, which goes both for the competition athlete and uh, the person training uh, recreationally. Um, if you have this increased muscle mass, uh, because you have to carry it with yourself in the skills, it might be that it has actually a positive effect from a muscle building standpoint, because it makes the upper body actually work harder because it has to carry more mass, you know? So I think from a muscle hypertrophy, this could be an interesting point because it makes you work harder and thus uh, makes you grow more mass, no? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, one that I really did not think about, but this is very good for like, good point for the people who are training, you know, like for themselves. And they, their main goal is, you know, like, okay, I want to learn the planche, but at the same time, I want to look good and at the same time, like I want to, I consider lower body training and he listens to the, to the podcast right now, you know, and we're going to make him decide. So uh, the good point is that the lower body like growth will be a natural kind of like loading progression for their upper body strength, right? The handstand push up done with certain weight, then in, you know, like in a year from now, if he's going to go and increase his, you know, like lower body, it's going to be natural, like progressive overload for his or progressive loading for his uh, upper body. Right. Um, so this is excellent point. Yeah. What I'm going to add to it is what Nick already said. So the second point is maybe calisthenics athletes specifically, and this applies to both types of like people who are training so both specialists and more general people uh, is training the muscles that are also included in the skills maybe training you know like nick suggested training hip trust right uh training you know like the quad maybe the having a bigger awareness of your lower body caused by the lower body training and having some actual you know like uh, patterns established when it comes to the lower body, like let's say how to extend the hips, you know, under some weight. So how to extend the hips, how to, you know, like straddle out the legs and extending the hips, open posture, you know, learning all those things. We have to think about it as well. We cannot be thinking only, okay, 
planche is like front delts, you know? Planche is like a whole body exercise if you think about it. Uh, so it's an excellent point. Um, do you guys have other like ideas of like incorporating lower body training specifically how that can improve the upper body? Uh, well, you mentioned one at the start, I think, um, and this is not related to performance. It's basically related to health and everyday life. You know, I mean, you use your lower body predominantly throughout the day and you'll have situations where you have to use it a bit more, you know, like moving stuff and um, similar stuff to that. Uh, so looking at that from an everyday uh, standpoint of things, um, it could be beneficial to just have a bigger potential of strength in the lower body uh, in order to have an easier time, you know, just carrying yourself uh, throughout every day. And this is this could be uh, a good point for the recreational athlete, you know, and something irrelevant for the competition athlete because different goals, you know. Yeah, so like the general health, like the the, the balance component sort of. So mm. this is the same thing, you know, like this is, I would say, I would compare that to training cardio for powerlifters okay, or doing some sort of conditioning. This is the same thing. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, you know, like in, in the strength sports, this is widely advised that you, as a powerlifter, that's gonna, you know, like go through lot of you know like lower body training that is very heavy and upper body training very focused on developing one rep maxes you know like uh, absolute strength um gaining a lot of mass with that it is very you know like advised for these people to also include some sort of element that are not specific into his discipline just from the standpoint of health you know so like the cardiovascular capacity let's call it will be important for powerlifters to do to maintain his health. It is one of the markers that are proven to be associated with better health, right? But many people actually include, and there are many studies on that as well, include leg strength as one of the uh, pre like predictors of longevity. Yeah. So this is the argument right now, absolutely for the person who trains, you know, like, for his general strength and his like his objectives are okay mainly upper body but he doesn't care if he's gonna get the planche in you know like two years or two two years and two months it doesn't matter for him that much maybe lower body training is just you know like something you just have to do like just from the standpoint of you know like more health obviously it it won't probably be it's not like you're going to get, you know, like cancer if you're not going to train it, or if it's not like you're going to be, you know, like totally, uh, you know, like wreck of the, like, uh, by, by not training legs, but I would agree that it's something that uh, we should promote for the person, unless his goals are like totally lower body. And this is where Nick will disagree because for, for these people, we should also train legs, uh, like according to you, right? And this is also good, you know, uh, this is, I think, specific to the athlete and to the coach. Uh, this is the, the matter of priorities, like, right? Do we want to prioritize health aspect and the general strength aspect and let's say like life quality aspect by sacrificing a little bit of training resources or a little bit of performance, which is like not a lot, but, you know, like competition is 
you know, like in a couple of months, do we really want to do it? Um, so yeah, so waiting for you guys to 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 put more uh, thoughts into that. Well, I would I would always say um, it could also make sense to to bring in for maybe the one who's completely into the into the, the upper body thing to maybe consider bringing up some some easy stuff for the lower body. Maybe it's like a one leg deadlift. Um, one leg, maybe maybe like lunges and stuff like that. So that you just are able to stabilize your legs in your hip and stuff like that. Which this is stuff you that we you will need it at some point. Even if you maybe have a wild freestyle thing and maybe don't catch your 360 or something like that. And and just come on, on the floor like something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, then, then you will have to catch yourself up on the floor. And your body should be prepared at least for that. And this is not, not a big impact. And at least that should be, should be possible for you. And so I would think to do at least some stabilizing stuff for the lower body would be a very good uh, thing for um, even the upper body athletes. Um, but the closer you are to the competition, the less you do that stuff. Of course. Of course you do. And this is this is specialization this is completely normal you know this is unbelievable i'm very very sorry um the thing you're very pissed off you know like yeah, i know i know you're completely pissed off but... <laughs> this is actually the issue that when you have an apple product when you get calls on your phone your fucking macbook rings <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do have the same stuff. Like I, I do have, you know, like uh, many like devices and it's like really your phone is ringing, your your Mac, your MacBook, everything starts, you know, like your whole like house is starting to ring, right? It's all connected. Yeah, so I get it. I get the struggle. So you can, you know, like let, let's get to the spe spe specializing. Yeah. Yeah. When, when it comes to the specializing stuff, I know. Um, we have trained a lot of weighted calisthenics athletes. And of course, the closer it comes to the competition, the more it's specialized, the, the less you do of all the other stuff. But that, that's completely normal. When you have to do like four lifts in a competition, you, you don't do any front lever work or any handstand push-up work. That's normal. The closer you are, the more specialized you are. The, the far you're away from, from a competition, the more you can do maybe some more other stuff. Because usually, that's that's the stuff that everybody has to consider at that point. When you're far from a competition, you're probably a little bit far away from big or high intensities. That brings usually up a little bit more, more possibility for more volume, which lets you would give you actually the, the chance to bring in more other stuff that you probably wouldn't do when you're close to a competition. And this is where you have the chance to incorporate some other stuff like maybe for the one who's completely into upper body training maybe bringing in some uh, lower body stuff and it can make absolutely sense yeah so, so let me start by saying that it's it's i really love how this discussion kind of like is, is rolling you know because we really started with some basic stuff and we get to the like meat and potatoes of 
this discussion, mm -hmm. which I really love. So we already know. So I'm going to be kind of like the summarizer, okay, of the segments. I like it. <laughs> so 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 we so we already know what are the negative sides of training lower body for calisthenics athletes or for person interested in static moves or bodyweight moves. Okay, we know that. We know what are positive sides. To summarize, these are the general's health and safety. Uh, safety that is often specific to the competition, like you mentioned, like falling on the ground, you know, like uh, having that, you know, like built strength when it's like under heavy barbell might be very beneficial for that. And I would definitely uh, advise to have some sort of like this uh, depends obviously on what type of skills you do, but you know, like it is some repetitive strain that you not necessarily will adapt to it by, you know, like, like falling once every month, uh, on your legs from, you know, like from the bar, you will not adapt to it. You, you can hurt yourself, but you're going to adapt yourself by repetitive, you know, like stable loading that, you know, is going to be progressive over time. And you can do that in the weight room. You can do that by the back squat. You can do that by deadlift, uh, rack pulls or whatever. We're going to come to the exercise selection later on, but this is another point. The third point is specific abilities for the calisthenics athletes, like, you know, like the opening hips, you know, like straddling legs. The argument can be made if these things cannot be trained separately, just without any special training, just through, you know, like extending the legs, stuff like that. I'm going to argue that if you can kill two birds with one stone and do weight training, that's going to already help you with that. You should do that. Uh, just to, you know, like, uh, not make any confusion. So we have these aspects. Now, the question is for the, for the people who are listening, we have these factors and we have these, you know, like points, how do we make our training? So we get all the benefits or most benefits and we have as least of the low, like negative factors and that will hinder our performance in the competition or, or overly in the body weight uh, you know, like movement, uh, let's say world. Um, so let's start with that. Uh, do you guys have any general ideas from the programming or from the aspect you already mentioned, you know, like the generalization and spe specificity, right? So like the farther you are from the competition, the more general your training is, Let's, let's talk about, you know, like the specifics, like how would you do that for the, for the person that let's say has a meet, you know, like calisthenics meet uh, where he has to train. You, you have probably like much, much more experience with that because you train with competitive athletes. Uh, so how would you do that? Like for a person, you still recommend leg training for him, but when he, he's going to do it, at, at which point you're going to like back away or back off from the leg training, what's going to be that point? Radu, do you want to go into that? Or Nick, Nick, you can definitely have Like you both experience. guys have much more experience in that. So I'm going to listen and learn from you. All right. Um, I think the, the most important part here is to, to understand that um, you probably have something like, like an in and an out season um, when, when you're competing. And um, what, what is a mistake that a lot of people um, do is they do like, six competitions a year when when you do so you 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 can actually do that 
but it would probably be a problem to do that maybe like three or four years in a row because during that that time you probably don't gain that much new strength because you're always in a peaking phase and you sometimes need to to kind of load the gun again <laughs> so that that's a very important one to to bring that in here so choose the competition well at that point so um it it makes absolutely sense to peak strength from time to time that's not not only something for competition athletes that's for everyone peak strength from time to time it doesn't need to be a complete one rep max or a complete maximum hold but, but i think especially when it comes to static stuff a maximum hold of a planche is not as fatiguing as doing some weighted stuff I, it, from from what i experienced it's not that much fatiguing so um, you can actually do that probably a little bit more what leads us to the next point when you when you incorporate leg stuff and you have a one rep max from uh, there those who already have a pretty high one rm in the back squat or something We'll see, okay, you probably suffer from a one rep max, a real one rep max that you did for, for weeks afterwards. When you have done a competition, your, your, <laughs> your performance is pretty low afterwards. <laughs> Rather sitting there, just shaking the head, yes, fuck, <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> and this is something um, people very much underestimate. So, When, when you had a, a complete upper body competition, it's not that you need so much resting time afterwards and you can immediately start um, adding up some, some more stuff into that. When you have a competition where, where everything is involved, also the lower body, you probably will not jump into a complete new cycle where you are already on high intensities and all that stuff. So it, it is um, very important to keep in mind This is something I very often say, build momentum. And to build momentum, that's something you do in a block. You're doing is in certain phases and you do it through all year. And that's very important to understand that um, you can actually plan out a year by adding up loads of volume. So you, you are able to handle a lot of, of, of workload. From, from this big ball <laughs> that you have right there, um, you make this big ball, you, you press it and press it and press it. It's like a snowball. The harder you press it, the, ice, the more icy it gets. And um, by the end, you want to, to have it as icy as fuck. When you come into a competition, but you, you press that snowball during the whole year. And that's very important to understand. So you start off maybe like, let's say three weeks after competition that you had, or maybe right now you never had a competition, but you're planning to have a competition in about a year. You start off now with a very big snowball, a very, very big snowball. <laughs> And now you have a lot of stuff in there. And then you reduce and reduce and reduce and higher up the intensity because you have to press harder, the snowball. And then in the end, when you are in the competition, one year later, you have this ice ball. And this really hits hard. 
And this is very important to, to understand as the, the big picture behind that. Because a lot of people think like three weeks in front, but we have to think in at least a year in front when it comes to, to all this training stuff. So to incorporate leg training for someone who's um, training mostly upper body, it makes sense to do that maybe one year out of a competition to, let's say, when you are maybe something like half a year out and mm -hmm. until that point, then you start cutting for, from what I say. This is very difficult to say from here on, you don't train any leg anymore. So this is very wishy-washy and you don't really know, but um, it's maybe something that, that may help people at that point to um, understand that the closer you come to the point where you um, want to have the competition, the less you do of the other stuff that you have to do in the competition. And this is to everything. When it comes to a weighted competition, it's the same thing. You, you do less of the other stuff. And when it comes to a skill competition, you do less of the other stuff. You also do less of the pull-ups. You do less of the, the dips that you may do usually. You do less of that. And do more of what is very, very specific to that. And this is very important to understand at that point to, um, yeah, press press the snowball. <laughs> Excellent point. Yeah. I think, yes, yes, I think yes. Uh, Nick made a great point um, in terms of like planning ahead and thinking long term and not really just chunking up competition after competition in a year with really having this phased training within a year and having like two to three competitions in one year and based on that planning blocks. Um, and then based, based on that, I would kind of separate, uh, separate, the, separate the competition uh, athlete into either the one that's competing exclusively in the upper body or the other one that also has a lower body aspect in it. So something like a one rep max competition, um, that's a classic now. And for the person that is only competing in the upper body and is specific to that, I would probably cut off all the leg work as the in-season starts. So as soon as the competition prep starts and then the off-season, I would, I would maintain and just do light leg work, just as we mentioned it in the, in the previous uh, few topics. And for the, for the competition athlete that has the lower body aspect in it, obviously you want to keep the leg work in it, but just as Nick said, like uh, the closer you come to the competition, the more specific you want to be. So I would start off the competition prep. You definitely want to have some deadlifts still in there, but the sooner, the closer you get to it, you definitely want to cut off everything else of the lower body and just maintain that and stay with that. That matters for the competition. Um, in this case, being the back squat, you know. Maybe to add that on. It may be good to understand that um, this specialization stuff can also be involved into this as the far away you are from maybe the, the, the upper body competition, the more you do stuff like bigger movements, like, like back squats um, and deadlifts, and the closer you get to the competition, the less you do of these bigger movements, and the more you might do of maybe some isolation movement that, that help you with the upper body stuff. 
so that maybe you are like four months out of your your upper body competition the skill competition maybe you just do only hip thrusts and maybe some some stuff for for your hemi some leg curls and stuff like that because you know you need that to to get better or keep that tension for the planche and stuff like that and that may be something that can help you a lot and it can also make sense to maybe bring in some some back extensions for those people to have the pump in there and really be able to to really feel way these these muscle that you're actually also using there to stabilize the body in a, a classic static hold if you need it and this is very important to to keep it in there if you need it only if you need it if it's not needed cut it out like you said in the very beginning of this podcast maybe there's sometimes time to cut some stuff out that you just don't need so. very very solid points you guys made and i really love the idea of like the you know like this explains many concepts about training programming not only leg training you know this is far beyond that but i think that the leg training is like the great example so uh there are you know like and also uh i'm glad that you mentioned about the number of competitions so I'm going to tell you the, you know, like the, the real story kind of. So yesterday, actually, I was talking with a guy from Sweden and he was, you know, like asking for, not going to go into the details to not make it long, but he was asking about certain advice regarding his periodization, his training mainly for the freestyle and stuff like that. So uh, basically when I saw his year plan, you know, it was just one month competition, second month, little break, competition, competition, break, competition, seven, seven competition during one year, which is a lot, which is like, you know, and this was like the starting point of the whole discussion. It was like, if you are in the stage where you, I don't know, are like 20 years old, whatever, like whatever, but you are, you want to be a better athlete. You want to build yourself for the, being a better athlete, you have to get into the mindset of building and not performing only. So let's say that this person uh, was, you know, like he was struggling at some point, you know, like he was struggling with the, with the planche for and front level, his static skills, he's very strong, but he's been plateauing for like a year or two, you know, because, uh, and, and the main issue was, he was still in that mindset like of a novice, which is like train, you're going to, you know, like train what you want to learn, do it the next week, do it again, do it again. You cannot go like that all the time, especially if you have so many competition, you have to get back a bit and build up, you know, your base, your general kind of like your, this, this, your analogy of that ball, right? Um, you have to start with that and gain the momentum and specify as you get closer but how are you going to do it if you have eight competition on your way? So what I said to him and what I'm uh, also going to express like for, the, for this podcast, my idea is that if you want to compete so much, and I still think that, you know, like there can be psychological benefits of competing a lot, which is like, you know, handling the stress more, uh, you know, knowing the people, knowing your competition, being a bit more, you know, like, 
in groove when it comes to like competing being more uh self con like confident right on the stage like knowing this being all the time like being like in the season mode psychologically is a good thing i would say so then you come to the competition and you know that you are there but you don't necessarily need to be your 100% for each competition you have to accept the fact that if you want to do that if you want to compete you know like often and you want to like make every single month new competition you have to treat them just as you know like you go there during your normal training phase and you're going to go there just you know like to do something but you're not going to peak for that because then you're essentially peaking whole year and you're not developing you're performing you're only a performer you're like the you know like the the circus artist that come and you know like does his performance this show this show this show uh and but but never taking time to actually develop and at certain point you cannot you have to take time and so uh, the good source for that would be um so uh, from the book uh, scientific these are like scientific principles of strength training yeah. uh, i really love the 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 part about specificity and like mentioning that specificity kind of like can be you know like there are levels to the specificity of the training so no matter which training you do there are certain aspects that you can say that okay this is more specific this is less specific right so there are things that will directly improve your performance so let's say for the weighted dip what directly will improve your performance will be weighted dip for the static planche hold directly improve your performance most specific to that will be the planche hold and you're going to reserve that mainly before the competition you're going to do most of that before in the picking in the you know like the strength phases before the competition you're not going to base your training on that on the static planche holds one year from the competition because you want to build your muscle mass you want to build your general strength you want to build you know like joint integrity everything you know like you want, you you have to kind of like think big picture here so you don't start with that and that's a major thing in calisthenics i'm sure it's getting better but these people are very often training you know like just like all all the like the same all the time you know in the same manner so i'm doing the tricks then i'm doing the skills and sometimes some reps uh you know like afterwards you could benefit a lot from doing more of that reps and more of you know like some weight training some leg training far from the competition and then when it comes to actually displaying your strength that's where you want to do more of that um so for instance uh in the book they are talking about the four levels of the specificity and i'm sure you have many resource many great resources for that but uh the second level kind of is training that generally supports the performance for things like planche i would say these are things like you know like muscle mass in the shoulder blades you know sorry if someone has muscle you know like uh, muscle mass in the shoulders muscle mass in the chest you know like overhead presses chest presses bench presses you know like push ups lean push up like doing the stuff that will overly build you up in the right places that will be will be kind of like used for this um 
performance element. So for the planche, for the weighted dip, the same stuff, right? Like for the weighted dip, you can train decline presses, incline presses. You train overly. If you're far from the competition, you do all that stuff. You train your tricep, you, you, you train many things, but you also train your technique, you know, like uh, you, you still do that. You, you still train the weighted dip, but it's not like you're not focusing on that entirely if you're one year from the competition. Um, and then we have the third level and fourth level. The third level is something that will not, that will rather not improve your performance specifically in that, you know, like aspect that you want to improve. Uh, it's rather like it doesn't make any, you know, like contribution to that, but doesn't negatively impact it as well. And the fourth factor is something that negatively impacts your performance. But what people don't understand is that these still can be included in the program because while they don't support, like the example would be cardio for powerlifters. Okay, it doesn't support you. It makes it harder, but it makes you healthier. So in a long scheme, like if you can compete for a longer time, if you're healthier, I think that's the bigger goal. You know, like I think that's something that everyone should strive for. And so the, the good thing with, with training legs is that it, it carries major benefits, health benefits, and, you know, just life, life uh, quality benefits that uh, for most people, I would advise, you know, like to treat them as this third slash four type of specificity that is not specific to your performance, uh, but you still include it from the other factors. Okay, if you don't compete in back squat, you don't have to focus on that as much. But for most people, yes, I would still advise you to do it just from this, you know, like health standpoint. Not if you have competition in two months from now, like Unique mentioned, right? And this is the first problem. This is the first problem of these people that they're training Uh, the connection. I thought it's. I thought it's me. No, it's him. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It's hanging a little bit. We're gonna wait a bit. Yeah, hopefully it comes back. But he, he's got some very good points here. Absolutely, absolutely. Really I love this. Not very well in the end. Mm -hmm. So this is super important that um, he gives that as a good summary in the end. No? Absolutely, yeah. Super interesting. So maybe we don't even cut this stuff out and keep it no, no, no. exactly the way. The oh. listeners that stay after this are the true ones. So we appreciate you if even if you stay after this. <laughs> this the world. Okay. Uh, 2021. He probably just will join back in there. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Back to the link and goes in there. And then I had I had the same thing with Matthew. Mm -hmm. So um it's, Did it's you cut it? The problem, and he's just coming in back, and then yeah, there, there we go. He is, you know, it's yeah. an easy one. So, Franks, can you hear us? Are you back? Do you have to put on your microphone so that we can actually hear you? Yeah, he probably at least he's already moving. So, for all the the listeners here, he's back. He's back. We can at least see him a little bit. Yeah. Let's see where we can take this. The YouTube people will probably have a good laugh about it because maybe somewhere the, the picture is freezing in a very good way. That's good. So it's always fun like that. Mm -hmm.
So, yeah, he's still having some some connection issues. Yeah, the, this kind of serves as a little break, I would say. You know. Yeah. Take a pee. <laughs> Take a pee. Yeah, it's good. So we are already in here for uh, nearly nearly one and a half hours. So oh, really? Yeah, we are in the, in here. So oh, that, that's hey. well. But actually, um, I so far I really um, like how this podcast is is evolving because it brings us also coming from a little bit more. Hey, there, there he is. There he is. You need to turn on your 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 microphone, man. Now, 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 talk something. Yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. It's it's because of my like connection. I don't know what happens. So. I don't know where was I do when I stopped, you know, like uh still a little bit difficult with this connection. You could turn off the video. Tell me. You, or it's cutting me off again. We, turn off the video and then the connection probably is a little bit more stable. We can still hear you. I hope that works better. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe he can't hear us. Could be. But in the end, to to bring that maybe. Is there something? So sometimes I can hear his voice a little bit. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. There we go. Now you need to turn on your your microphone. Okay, guys. So I'm gonna have to work probably without the camera. Yeah, it, it works well now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know it's going to be hard, you know, like not to look at me, uh, but, you know, <laughs> I'm YouTube. You already. <laughs> yeah. YouTube oh. listeners. So, so please tell me when, when did it cut me, cut me, you know, because I want to finish my, I, I was finishing my point, but, um, I just don't know at which point it cut me. Yeah. You talked about the fourth layer of specificity and like training being part of it and then the general health benefits of it and how it's still, you know, important. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so to finish the point, so I just say that it starts with the planning of training and you can include lower body, the excuse, you know, like most people, okay. Most people will not benefit from that, like a lot by, you know, like doing specific leg training. If you're, couple of months before competition but it starts there it it starts with good planning of your training year as an athlete and if you have like this figured out then you kind of like have more ability to you know like to do more things that are not related to your sport that much that will still support your health that will still support your well-being and can often still somehow support your sport in in some way even though it's not going to be very direct so that's just the thought you know so um that's kind of like my main uh thought obviously like i did not get into specifics of how i would do it but i think that you guys are better to talk about it so what you already described you know, like uh, with the experience. So for example, that you start doing that uh, up till, you know, like six months, you can train legs and then you train another six months, uh, kind of like specializing more and more. Uh, do you guys have any experience with some other kind of like styles of periodizing? Maybe you go through some phases of training where you train your legs. Maybe you include it in the hypertrophy phases, but not, you know, like in the strength or like technique or skill phases, like, do you have any other like ideas how people could incorporate it? 
You want to go first? You can definitely go. You can definitely go. I think, Nick, you have a lot more experience in that than me. Um, uh, so I give you the word first. What you can also do is for those who are training mostly um, maybe maybe the upper body stuff, but um, who are not, not really into competing, just doing for the sake of, of, of it, um, I think it's also important to um, bring up some stuff for them. Um, it, I think one of the most important things in here is also um, you can always think of your training in terms of what is what is most important to me. Um, maybe maybe just bringing in some 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 leg training all over the year because you're not peaking for something, and just putting it in the end of the training. Maybe having like the complete session in there, having done all the handstand push-up work, maybe all the planche work, maybe you did some dips, maybe you already did your push-ups, and then add in just three sets of back squats. And just to keep it that way. So you still have this maybe like health influence of it and um, also can, can, um, can still train The, how the spine has to stabilize, how the hip has to stabilize, um, train a little bit of the legs in there, bring in the glutes and um, the quads and all that stuff, you know, like, like you already said, yeah, hitting, hitting two birds with one stone um, with one big exercise in the end of the training. Be a great possibility for those who are a little bit more into, okay, I train for the sake of training and not into competing. Um, that would be an amazing thing to put that in the end of the training, actually. So I think yeah, so like specializing in a different, so, so making priorities in a different way. So for someone who competes, okay, it's better to avoid leg training right before competition. So you can do that in a like yearly scheme. You can, you can train your legs in the first half of the year that builds up to the competition. If you have other competitions along the way, don't treat them that seriously. You should like really specialize, like choose one that is like really important for you and like focus on that. Other ones can be there for psychological benefit. But if we talk about a person that is just training for himself, does not have any deadlines or any, you know, like specific time sets points that he needs to address certain specific aspects, this person can be in the building mode all the time. He doesn't have to be in the peaking mode or like specific point at any point, to be honest. So uh, he can be in, you know, like building stage all the time and get great results. Obviously, doing some tests from time to time, that's great. You know, like that's as Mike, as Dr. Mike said on my podcast, that's for the soul, you know, like doing, doing the, you know, like doing the uh, heavy weighted one rep max in the pull up. It's still great to do it. It's great for you. You know, like you do it for the soul for, you know, like for sometimes for the Instagram. Yes, you do it, but that doesn't, you know, like make you lose, like you don't have to abandon everything else to do that. You don't have to pick for that always, right? So even for the calisthenics athletes who goes with like the classic uh, periodization, like, I don't know, hypertrophy strength, you can include your leg training by you know like by in both phases actually and do that you know like maybe at the very end of the strength phase like abandon it so you can focus on your uh, like only on the skill or do some testing but most of the time 
you can train your legs. And also the good point is that you can just, you know, like make these priorities by exercise order, like you mentioned, just doing your legs at the end of the session. Or by, you know, like uh, in the weekly scheme, you can do your legs, like your... And there he is. In session, you can do that with... Fuck. We can so, hear so you. still cannot see you. Can? I can hear you, yeah. Okay. You're back. That's pretty annoying. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, the, so, so, so the uh, point is... Um, one of the strategies that you can do is just including leg training in like the, the farther stage of the training week where you are probably like most like more fatigued, right? You, you, you expanded a lot of like training resources in the beginning of the week on the upper body sessions. Now it's time to do like some light lower body session, right? So this way you can also prioritize upper body. You can do lower frequency. You can do just three sets of back squat, like you mentioned. You can also manipulate with variations. You can just, you know, like instead of doing, so how we can negatively, uh, you know, like uh, how we can avoid the negative aspect of like leg training, just instead of doing like heavy deadlift, you know, maybe choose some lighter variation of it. Maybe choose one leg. Uh, Romanian deadlift, maybe just Romanian deadlift, stiff leg deadlift, you know, something that is, uh, that will not make you lift hundred, you know, like 80 kilos, but for example, like hundred kilos, one of the ways, do you guys have any other ideas of how we can, you know, manipulate so, so we can kind of, uh, make the negative aspects of the lower body training as low so we can gain the benefits, but, uh, you know, like avoid the negatives apart from the variation or like some, you know, like uh, weekly or daily uh, scheduling? You wanna go? Yeah, I think that this is something that's quite individual, you know, and that it requires quite a lot of trial and error until you kind of find out what works for you. And what I would do is just experiment with lots of things and try out these things that we mentioned, you know, putting exercises at the end of the workout or, the lower body uh, sessions at the end of the week, or maybe mixing it up, you know, having an upper lower sessions uh, split and seeing general patterns that develop over time, you know, and see how you react to certain exercises, you know, for example, a back squat might, might affect your dip, but it might not affect your planche. And then you draw the conclusion. And based on that, you can maybe program better and over time see, okay, this is better for me. I can do it that way. So it's probably a really, really individual topic that, um, depends on a lot of factors, you know? And it can also be um, the variation that you're doing. As you already said, um, it may be that maybe a certain um, deadlift variation might be a good one. You can also do certain uh, squat variations. Could be a safety squat, could be a front squat, could be anything. Yeah? I mean, you can also go into machines and do some hex yeah. squat stuff or maybe some some leg press. It would be, would be also possible to do so. Um, Oh, you, I mean, in the end, you have every possibility to do so. Um, and there are also many um, possibilities to maybe schedule your week during stuff like that. Maybe you have like uh, four days uh, through a week that you train. And then you have three days of, of maybe upper body stuff. Then you uh, have the fourth day where you train mostly legs. And then maybe there are two days off afterwards. And then you start off with the new week. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody is so much into this um, stuff of, uh, yeah, I need to put all my training days into one week. They are so much into, it needs to be in seven days. Yeah. Your, your week can also be like eight days. <laughs> That's completely okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can add like the eighth day to the week. You know, like it's going to be hard for the social life maybe. But for the training, it can work totally. And, you know, like it's something that I also uh, do, like with many clients, we just have like nine or like eight weeks, you know, like split because he has like one thing that is constant in his life and that we want to kind of like prioritize around it. So like he he's not doing the training on that day. So, okay, so why not to like make your, like, because you don't have any limitations, like apart from that, you can train on Sunday, you can train on Monday. So why not to do, you know, like legs as a part of like one, one of those sessions, right? Uh, other ideas that I have also, like the general idea is you don't have to look at leg training as like, you know, one set uh, activity, one set things that you think that you do. It is more than that it is like the whole how you do the leg training how you do you know like th this is the idea of this podcast is to to talk about like the ideas of how you can do that in a way that are is not you know like uh obviously we you won't be you know like doing five sets of you know back squat five sets of deadlift and whole accessories and stuff like that you don't have to do it you can uh, do half of that and it's still going to be leg training in some way and you're going to benefit from that um and uh, yeah so so you know like so prioritizing based on the schedule weekly schedule training split um experimenting with different variations like Roger mentioned so like something may you know like less negatively impact certain other elements so you may train back squat closer to this element in the week uh closer to the planche for example like Rada mentioned uh you can do different variations maybe you find that romanian deadlift doesn't fatigue you overly as much maybe you can do bulgarian split squat instead of you know like some different variation just experiment with stuff see what you know like what works for you in some longer like longer time so like couple of months if that works for you you can do that and i'm absolutely like uh, up for it you know i'm not uh, i'm not i don't uh, hold on to the belief that you should avoid your leg training at all costs or something like that you should find a ways to to make it work if you want to i think um one big big point that is also very important to um, bring in here is um for those who maybe want to do a full planche while squatting 200 kg or something like that the, the classic I'm a full package um, hybrid athlete that comes up so much right now. Um, for those, it's it's mostly about really managing RPEs in training. Um, I think that's also something very, very important because um, for those who, who want to have that kind of performance, um, being able to do that stuff all together, it's very important to keep in mind, okay, at that point, I probably have to evolve all of these things at the same time. It will probably drive me the way a little bit, yeah, probably slower, of course, because you're catching two different things um, at that point. But in the end, um, the, the, the thing with that is when you still keep your back squats, maybe at something like an RPE 7, it's still driving you there. 
and you're not going out of the um, session like completely done. I mean, everybody who has squatted very heavy knows this. I'm finished. I finished my 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 session, and I'm coming out of this, and I'm completely wasted. Mm -hmm. We all know this feeling. This is what we don't want there. And when when it comes to to that stuff, just keep your your maybe like up to four reps squats. Yeah, like maybe you had four sets of three reps back squats, pretty heavy at 180 kg, something like that. And before that, you had your planche stuff. Yeah, then keep keep the intensities at maybe an RPE six or seven with the with the back squats. You will still get better at the back squats, and still be not too much fatigued for the planche work in your next training session. And this is very important to to um, have that in mind that you can actually in the end manage this stuff very well when you know your parameters and that's just, this is so crucial to this um because i i know a lot of people who want to do all this stuff who want to do all the heavyweights who want to do all the statics but have big big issues bringing it all together and um for those people this is mostly really about managing the intensities the right way at that point and this is only done by really, really collecting a lot of data, sticking to some stuff for months. This is so important. This is so crucial because everybody is so, yeah, I implemented my leg training and now my, my static suffer, but I don't keep the, the leg training for in, in my cycle for the next six months. And this is so crucial to keep it in there so the body can adapt to this to this more impact that we have through that so that you get get adapt to it and from there on you probably will work completely different with that because that's the stuff that nobody did before and this is actually for me i see that maybe when when we look at athletes maybe he's he's very very world class but when you look at uh, athletes like baki he can do everything because he's doing everything for a longer period of time and just keep it in the cycle and do it will help you a lot with that. And th this is something um, from, from my point of view, a lot of people tend to forget that. And uh, I see this as something, give it a chance, give it a chance to do it for a complete year to, to train it all and see where it takes you. You will see that if you do it right, collect the data right and interpretate that the right way, you probably will be able to do it all together. I love it. I absolutely love it because uh, I think that you, you, you brought up the, the point about that I, I wanted to talk about. So basically, uh, you uh, kind of like... Uh, right now brought up the new category of people that we did not talk about. So we talked about people who are training for the static skills for the competition. We were talking about people who are training for the static skills for themselves and considered adding uh, some leg training. So we have it kind of figured out for both of them in this podcast. For the person that wants to be serious here and here, I really like the fact that you, you mentioned that you don't have to do 100% of both all the time 
you can still do something with the RPE, you know, six or seven, and you will still reap the benefits of that. Like it's not, for example, like just because you did like, let's say back squat with um, 170 kilos, let's say for five reps and next session, you're going to, you, you, you feel like you have to do it for six reps, you know, or you have to increase 2.5 kilos. You don't have to like the adaptations will, you know, like will, as long as you're kind of close to failure, as long as you are doing that and you're training kind of hard, you will gain these adaptations at certain point. What's the, like, what's the reason to do, you know, like the set of right now you're going to do five pounds more or like 2.5 kilos more, but instead of RPE six right now, it's RPE seven. Like, did you really make the progress there? Like, I really like the idea uh, of like the progressive loading versus progressive overload, you know, in general. Um, I was kind of getting that from the Barbell Medicine podcast that uh, they released at some point. It was like, you know, that you don't get the adaptations by forcing them in the training. You, you don't adapt, you, you don't get better by, you know, like just forcing to get these adaptations. First, you train, then you adapt, and then you are able to lift more this is the right, you know, like cycle. And people don't get that. I have to add 2.5 kilos to my back squat right now, because otherwise this session is just, you know, like junk. It, it will not give me any more, like, because I did it, you know, like one week ago, I have to improve in everything. No, your five seconds planche hold, just like it did give you some stimulation one week ago, it will give you the same, you know, like, it will give you the stimulation this week as well. And maybe in three weeks, you're going to be better. Uh, and if, if people were looking at this stuff from this direction, then it could be easier for them to accept that you can train everything whole year. You can train it relatively hard and you just don't have to progress every single week in everything, in the back squat, in the planche. This way may be hard to do it, you know, but if, it, if, if he's going to do it like you mentioned, uh, then that's totally possible. And you have the examples of that. Um, yeah, I love it. Is there anything we need more to wrap it up in the end? Do you guys have any more, more points you definitely need to tell? I have one suggestion that we do a summary. Like yeah. I have the suggestion that we do like a you know, quick summary of what we discussed and some major key points and every single one of us can give us like the one sentence and yeah, we can wrap it up if, if you want to guys, like it's your podcast, right? You, you can actually try to bring up your uh, picture back in here. Let's see if, if it works. Um, okay, like uh, I'm, I'm going to try to make it work. Look at that. Okay. It's beautiful, man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so... And now the viewers came back, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so so Nick, maybe maybe you can uh, be like the the like you can make the, the wrap up like of all together and me with Rado, we will first like start with our like uh, summary. Uh, and you you as like you, you guys will just finish as, as the host, you know? So Rado, maybe start uh, with your like summary. Absolutely. To wrap it up in the end, um, I think we managed to talk about what could be the uh, objections of people, um, which is very important, why people think the way they think, 
um, we managed to get into these objections a little bit more, talked about what is the pros, what's the cons of putting the leg training into your um, routine in the end. Then we talked about um, tactics and strategies to implement it if you want to implement it, um, how it makes sense, how it doesn't make sense. Um, we gave some um, advice on how you can actually really implement it the way you, the way you can actually implement it. And then, of course, how to implement it for those um, in the end, because we had three uh, different groups of the maybe static um, athlete, uh, the one who trains for himself and maybe the one who wants it all. Um, so in, that's mostly um, the three groups that we talked to. I hope we didn't miss any of the groups. If there's anyone who wants more of that content can easily bring that up into, um, into the comments on YouTube. Bring that up. Give us some, some advice here. And um, if I forgot something, guys, please let me know. Like, it would be fun if some, like, powerlifter, for example, like, commented, like, I don't care about calisthenic skills at all. What should I do? <laughs> or something. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> and he's listening, like, maybe maybe you should switch, you know, like, the, the podcast to something. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I've been waiting for powerlifting only for whole, you know, like two hours. What should I do? <laughs> like, I want to only increase my back squat. Yeah, should I train calisthenics? This one is strength and skills podcast. Where's the strength? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, for me, that's like honestly, you you made it. You 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 made the summary perfectly. So so it's it for me. That's it for me. All right. So. For all you listeners, I hope you, you waited for this moment. How can we contact this Frinks guy? Frinks, please tell us. Oh, how, how, you can, how you can contact me. So the best place you can contact me currently is on the Instagram. And for all the people that could, it's, it's just Frinks Movement. So just like the channel without the TV. And for, for those guys that may ask when the next video is appearing, I know it's been a long time, but it would probably be up in like, a uh, month or two months from now, which is like uh, the, the point where I think the problem with uh, one-arm pull-up is going to be up. So uh, for those interested, definitely check it out if you if you listen to it after some time. I think everybody's really waiting for that study. All right. So thank you guys so much for your time. It was such a good, good time with you and um, really appreciate it. Hope you guys had some fun with me too. <laughs> For sure, Nick. Awesome. Uh, and Rado, like it was a pleasure to talk with you guys. Uh, I really appreciate this opportunity. And if you ever uh, want to, you know, like participate maybe in my podcast or maybe you want to invite me again, definitely up for it. Thank yep. you guys so much for this. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and for the listeners, if you want us three to talk about calisthenics topics again, let us know in the comments and give us some, 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 uh, maybe some, some ideas what we could discuss. So see you in the comments. See you next time. And thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Please do us the favor and share this one on your social media it would be such an honor. And um, to give some more information out into the calisthenics community. Thank you so much. Goodbye.